Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, hello, and welcome to Mapping the College Audition, a podcast where we explore the landscape of the college theater world and try to demystify this daunting audition process. I'm your host, Charlie Murphy. I'm here in the present. There's no future past anything. Director of MTCA, (laughs) Musical Theater College Editions. And today we have a great show lined up for you. If you couldn't tell, that was me singing opera. Megan got two eyebrows raised. Um, Megan Picerno is a new friend to the pod. She is a fun and different path towards success in musical theater, having studied classical voice, worked in operas, and then made that transition into musical theater. Um, She's also, I think you'll find, a delightful and quirky energy on the pod that was really infectious for both Megan uh, and me to chat with. You're going to hear Megan a lot on this pod because, of course, Megan, our producer, and then Megan Picerno, both who spell their names correctly the same way it's delightful Mm -hmm. this is another one of our artist explorations we're going to check out the college process and how that carried forward into some successful artists today we're also going to have that sort of looser discussion about the musical theater and opera world a little bit today we talked about opera and the transition from opera to musical theater we talked about things falling into your lap and what it is to take advantage of opportunities Um, we talked about what it is to relate to people who aren't just into music or into the arts Um, the value of undergrad versus master's degrees. Um, We talked about being scrappy. We talked about artists as entrepreneurs. Uh, And we talked about the fact that Megan had coffee in a beer mug. She says it was coffee this whole time. And we think she was slowly drinking for the entire interview. Um, We don't condone a morning drinking. We don't condone it. We really don't. Um, (laughs) Though if you want to, if you're having a, you know, an evening sip, sure, have a, you know, if you're over 21, only if you're over 21, all of you. Um, before we get into that, Megan, I'd just love to hear about how's Chicago? How's grad school? How you feeling? Thanks. It was nice to hear that Megan Pacerno is also from Chicago. So that was something else we shared along with our name. So that was oh fun. And then we shared our woes of music theory as well. But Chicago is great. Um, mm. I feel like I'm uh, like how Leo says, like uh, patting my head and rubbing my belly season, uh-huh. balancing, you know, work and school has been interesting, but I'm in syllabus week. So it, it only can go up from here. Does it live up to the windy city name? Have you found it very windy? It's quite windy. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> and Charlie, how was the Tonys? Uh, it was super fun, Megan. Uh, we're, as we record this on a Monday um, to be released on a Wednesday, which we shouldn't be giving that much sausage out of how it gets made. Um, but we just went to the Tonys uh, yesterday um, and it was crazy. It was the first time I'd ever been. Um, super fun experience. Uh, of course, we were disappointed that Elizabeth didn't win, um, but really did not dampen the night at all, which was just like a fabulous night. I was much more disappointed than she was. She was like super graceful. She's like, of course, yeah. I was like, well, oh God, you robbed. I'm getting, you know. And the show too was like, how could this happen? You know, as a partner should, you know, you should, should be fighting for them or that they do themselves. But Adrian, a, a worthy and lovely winner, of course, and she was brilliant oh in speech and fantastic. But you know, come on, 
who could be better? Who could be better? <laughs> um, it was so it was so fun. You know, you could really feel like everyone was like thrilled to be back in that room, thrilled to have like live theater be coming back. You know, yeah. um, I love that. I don't, did you watch that video with the international community where like they all were like saying like, this is why I love theater. And like the, some of them had learned like English for just oh this goodness. phrase. No, in all honesty. So I watched bits and pieces of oh the God. Tonys. No, oh I was God. in the air and I was trying to, you know, rig the Wi-Fi of, I caught when Elizabeth was up on oh. in real life time, but I may have missed that segment, but it sounds lovely. We're now looking for a producer on this podcast. If you like <laughs> someone who actually cares about theater and will watch the damn Tonys. Oh, please. I stayed up until 11 to make sure that I saw every bit and piece of it, but I guess I missed this one segment you're talking about. Um, did you see, the, I also love the performance, some of those performances, I mean, Jennifer Holiday was amazing, especially oh being in the room, I was like, oh my God, um, you know, Leslie Odom and Josh Groban, given that Carnegie Mellon pride, we're like, we get it, you went to Carnegie Mellon, but it was very great, I was, you know, every time. And then they got ragged on at the end, I thought that was the best part. Much deserved, you. much deserved. <laughs> um, I also like loved, Elizabeth was saying this too, she was like, I love that the big performers at the end were all like Broadway people. It wasn't a lot mm -hmm. of like, oh, here's let's do some stunt casting with a movie star that's kind of does Broadway. Like yeah. those were like names that you were like Broadway lovers would love Broadway and not babies. necessarily movie stars. Um, and they all like had it still. I, I think I was I was ready to be like, uh oh. You're questioning them? Well, you usually like often when you see some of those older performers, you're like, who's lost a step? Who's what, you oh. know, who doesn't? And I was like, you guys all have it. Like, like Adam Pascal sounded the exact same. As so when good. I was 17. Like, How did you do that? Yeah. Um, it was my first time doing a red carpet. Um, and I had like the most surreal experience because I was like carrying the pump because we were like pumping. So Elizabeth and I had like this weird experience partway through the Tonys where they don't tell you the order, by the way. So we were like, can we go now? Yeah. Let's hope. We were like running to a bathroom to pump um, to make all this work. Um, but I was like carrying the pump bag like it was a clutch. Like I was a cool, fashionable person. Oh, great. Um, but it was so weird. Like when I first walked on the red carpet, I had like the most surreal three minute conversation where Mary Louise Parker was trying to describe what an overture was to me. She was like, Oh, we really don't want to miss the opening credits, you know, where they, they play music. And I was like, what do you think? Like a preview? He's like, no, you know, they, they play music and then like people applaud. And I was like, you mean an overture? <laughs> oh, that's it. An overture. We don't want to miss the overture. It was very, I was like, this is, what is my life? What is my life right now? What is your life? And now that it's, it, you've gone to your first Tony, what was the one thing you that happened that you didn't realize that would happen? Oh, great. Um, I, I think I would have always thought those um, uh, ovations are staged and they're really mm -hmm. not like you, like people like jump up in genuine, like, cause like it makes sense kind of, but like all the nominees also are like theater fans. So like yeah. Cheetah Rivera is like, 64 years ago Look, on this you thought there stage. was like a stand-up sign above the proscenium. Well, <laughs> Applause. I think I, think I would have, I just think I thought it was more like plants or something. Like, like a hype like, man? Like, yeah, right, like guys. super theater fans. But like, they're all like the nominees who are the ones who are like leaping up and being like, ah, cheetah, yeah. You know, like <laughs> that was really, it was fun just to like be in the midst of that and really kind of see, you know, it was a very, um, especially that room because it was so, it's very packed and very small. It was much smaller than most mm -hmm. Tony Awards are in terms of, so like everybody in that room, other than like me, were like very well-known theater people or I guess the dates of very well-known theater people. Um, and they all were just like fangirls in the same way that you would feel at a high school theater convention. How fun. Um, well, on to the next year and to the next Tony Award that will win uh, next year, hopefully. Um, mm -hmm. But before that, let's get to Megan Pacerno and this fun episode. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, we are so excited to welcome Megan Pacerno on the podcast. Megan has a Bachelor's of Music from Illinois Wesleyan University and a Master's of Music in Voice from Manhattan School of Music. Um, Megan began in the opera world where she did a lot of opera. And then in 2017, she did Candide, directed by Hal Prince, which sort of began a crossover into musical theater. She was Christine in the U.S. premiere slash first national tour of Andrew Lloyd Webber's Love Never Dies before playing Christine in the second world tour version of Phantom of the Opera and replacing on Broadway, where she was named one of 2019's top Broadway replacements by Broadway Box. Uh, Megan is also the co-founder of the International Music Theater Academy, which we will talk about today. Megan, how are you doing? Welcome on the pod. Hello. And this is now a lot of time on this role. I know we're going to get into um, Christine a little bit, but this is how many years of total Christine have you experienced so far? I mean, since Candide, basically. So what is that? Four years going on? Four, it's, it's Yeah, four wow. years, even though I Benjamin buttoned, but like I have a uh-huh. full comprehensive experience of Christine, both mature uh-huh. and young. Uh, yeah, four years. So And so just the longer you play her, the younger you get. That's pretty exciting. Exactly. That's how my life is too. It's like me. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, we're gonna have to, that, that we're going to have to get into some health secrets <laughs> as well. Um, but maybe before we dive too deep into the, your professional career, I'd love to kind of take you back a little bit to when you were starting all of this. So um, when you're around 16, 17, maybe it was much earlier for you, um, if you'd been precocious enough to think like, here's what my mission statement is for like college. Here's what I want from a college experience. What did you think? What were you looking at? What kind of schools did you look at? I'd love to hear it get into the young Megan's mind a little bit. Sure. Well, young Megan, thank goodness I am no longer um, 17 in real life. Uh, it's so al- if you keep playing Christine, you're going to be soon. Hey, listen, I mean, it's a miracle I'm still alive, honestly, when I look back <laughs> at my life. But also, I'm not, uh, I would say your typical um, performer in the sense of I didn't know I wanted to do this my whole life kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was in a musical a year in high school. It was a big scandal. I was a freshman and auditioned for Music Man, and I was cast as Marion. Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. And everyone I know hated you. everyone hated me. No, 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 no. Come on, how can you not like me? No, but <laughs> still hate you. no. We we got some feedback when you were coming on the pod. Some of them were still that. Oh my God. That's why I've never gone to a, beat me out when I was a junior and I deserved that role. That's right. Um, yeah. So I, and that was my first musical ever actually was music band. And so, um, and then, yeah, so I basically, so I went to a college prep school and I was like, I was definitely like, I'm going to get straight A's and I'm on Mm -hmm. this and that. So like, I actually wasn't focused on music at all. Like I was a cheerleader, but I was a national honor society, but I did French club, but I like, Mm. like I was just like all over the map. Right. And, and it was a college prep school. So actually I was more science and math based, um, Mm -hmm. more than anything else. And, um, (laughs) yeah, I don't know. So actually when it came to college, you know, it's just such a strange journey of mine. I, again, like did not know or think that that was going to be my actual journey in fact Uh my junior year of high school my French class went to see our first ever French opera well not our my first ever and it was um Carmen and it was also um Romeo and Juliet by Gounod and so that was my first experience ever seen in opera and I was like what is this this is amazing and like my whole class was like And I'm like, no, this is great. (laughs) And um, so that was like, I was like, whoa, this is really incredible. So I started for fun taking classical lessons. 
And uh-huh. also of note, and this might be like an interesting story later, I only saw one musical my whole life growing up, also with my school, and it was Les Mis in Chicago. Like that was huh. it. Like that, I my next show was what I saw on Broadway. Like I, I had never seen anything. So like that was really it when it comes to like live theater. Uh-huh. Three shows, two operas and a music theater show. <laughs> like that's it. Um, But yeah, so honestly, like, I really was interested in science, particularly neuroscience, uh, pre-med, prion disease runs in my family, which is like Alzheimer's and such. So like, that's really like that side of my brain, it's it's a little dusty now, but like, that's what I was um, really going to go for. And then we were in school at Illinois Wesley, and I remember a guy from Ravinia Festival, which is a really famous music festival in Chicago. And I I tell the story a lot, but I I really wish I could... um, I wish I could know who he was and like shake his hand because he came and he spoke to our freshman class and he was like, follow your dreams, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Oh my God, he's talking to me. And of course it's all about me. Um, no, but, uh, so I was like, you know what? I, I want to audition for opera. So I auditioned into the school music and I got in and then, (laughs) and then also in true Megan form, this is why I'm saying it's a miracle I'm alive. Um, so then I, I was like, well, if I'm going to study opera, which by the way, my second language is French. Cause like my, my parents made us take French, which I love. Mm. Um, but oui, oui. Oui, oui, uh, oui, oui. Uh, but I was like, well, if I'm going to study opera, I'm going to go where Mozart lived. And so I studied in Vienna. <laughs> this is in college you studied in Vienna? Yeah. yeah so like joined a sorority. Oh, this is the other thing too. Like I was totally like sorority girl, Kappa Kappa Gamma. That's what I am. Uh, wait though. I'm going to go sing opera in Vienna. And so I did. I went to Vienna and I studied at the International Europäische for Studenten and the Vienna Conservatorium and had no idea what I was doing at all. And I look back in my life and I'm like, Megan, all those opportunities that you literally didn't even understand. Like like our teachers were friends with like the music line or like I'm holding like manuscripts by Schubert and Mozart mm-hmm. and like just all these incredible experiences. And I'm just like a fool that's just singing and crazy, but also like living her best life in Europe. <laughs> I love it. Wait, we, we have to go back a little bit. Okay, okay. So first, thank you for not including that, that school in your bio. Cause I would not have wanted to try to pronounce that. Um, the, but, but how, how did we end up at Illinois Wesleyan? So was that, you were thinking about science originally or thinking mm-hmm. about studying yeah. a more STEM thing? Yeah. And I got a free ride to Wesleyan cause actually, um, Northwestern was on the list too, but I was like, I'm going to go to, to school for free. Thank oh. goodness. Cause Manhattan school music was not for free. Okay, great. So freshman year, you start studying music. Now yeah. this is, this is like a junior study abroad or when, when does the study abroad happen? Still in college. Um, se- sophomore year is when I went. Sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And then you come back, you finish. And then I came back, Uh I came back, but in the meantime, interesting, weird fact, my parents had moved to New Jersey and that is rather pivotal for me because I had never visited New York before. Uh And so I went to, obviously I went home to visit my parents in New Jersey because my dad used to work for Pfizer, fun fact. And, um, and then I always remember my mom and I took the train into New York and I was like, put your phone away. We're New Yorkers. And we totally got lost and everything. But it was my first Broadway show that I saw. And also just the pulse of the city. I was like, you know, it's interesting too. like, just to back up a second. Um, my, my professor, Dr. Sam Safras, who was from Texas. So lovely. Shout out Sam. Shout out Sam and Maxie Safras, who was uh, his accompanist and his wife. So cute. Um, 
I had always told him, I was like, you know, like, I loved my childhood in Chicago. I loved it. I loved Illinois. But I remember telling him before I studied abroad, I was like, you know, I just don't feel like I belong in Illinois. And I don't know why, which by the way, the only time I had been out of the country was right before I studied abroad to Russia. (laughs) Mm. So like, you know, I I didn't understand why I didn't feel like I, I was like, this just never feels like home, even though like, I love everyone. All my family is there, like everything. And then my mom and I went to New York and I was like, mm. oh, because this is where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So um, that was really actually, it was pivotal because not only was I addicted to the energy that's here in the city, but also like I, um, you know, I was like, I want to go to school here. Like, cause mm. also in the opera world in America, it's kind of like you're force fed that you need to go to like a top grad school. No, mm-hmm. you don't, by the way. <laughs> I would just like to say, no, you don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, to each their own, right? But so that's where I was introduced also to, you know, the education scene here in New York. And I was like, well, this is obviously where I want to go to school. Like, you know, nowhere else. I love it. And and what was the timeline in terms of, so now you've graduated in your 20s-ish, maybe 22. And then is there a gap between Manhattan School of Music and uh, or before you start studying grad school? Or is it, you know, yeah. you work at all, live um, a little life? Yeah, it was kind of crazy. So I graduated at 21. And then I, I, I moved home with my parents for a hot sock, which was a fascinating <laughs> mm-hmm. adjustment. And, um, the first year of grad school. Yes. Yes. And, um, uh, actually then, so also another thing that had happened, which is very common was a lot of my classmate at Wesleyan immediately auditioned for a grad school. And I was like, mm-hmm. uh, hang on a sec. Like, also I was like, what did I just do with my life? Like mm-hmm. I just went from one area to be like, wait a minute. I said, I'm going to study opera. I don't know what I'm doing. And so also for all aspiring artists, be bold. Uh, I'm shameless and bold. So, um, mm-hmm. I got to New York and before I even considered going to grad school, even though I was like, oh, I, I definitely want to go somewhere here in New York. Um, I I got a list of coaches from the Metropolitan Opera, Juilliard, Manhattan School of Music. And I was just like, hello, my name is Megan Paterno. Mm-hmm. I have just moved here and I would like to study with you. I was that bold. And here's a crazy thing. Every single person said yes. In fact, my first lesson ever in New York was in the basement of the Met in a rehearsal room with a mm-hmm. very legendary coach who has since passed, Nico Castell. I didn't even know who he really was at the time. Again, my ignorance is bliss really has gotten me through a lot, I think, in my career. What a theme of just squandering opportunities. That's not <laughs> now for students. Don't all go and squander all your good opportunities. But what a great theme. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and he, and then another uh, German coach, uh, Mariana Barrett, um, who's the head German coach at the Met, Juilliard, and Manhattan School of Music. So Juilliard, Manhattan School of Music, Manus, well, which is the new mm-hmm. school, they all share a lot of the same faculty. And then they also are the ones that are the ones working with professionals at the Metropolitan Opera. That's usually mm-hmm. what's happening. So anyway, so both uh, Mariana and Nico Castell were kind of my champions. And they're like, okay, so you you definitely should go to grad school at one of these top three. So um, I, as soon as I walked into Manhattan School of Music, though, that's where I wanted to go. Um, I, I don't know. It's just it's a feeling, just like anything else. It's a gut feeling. So I also encourage students or young professionals, always go with your gut. 
it's always right every single time. Um, so that, but in the meantime, also as a fluke, things just fall on my lap. It's bizarre. Um, I, I was like, well, I need a job because I booked some random off-Broadway show, which I couldn't even tell you what it was called. I don't even know. It was like on Theater Row. I don't remember. But I was like, well, I guess I kind of have to live in the city. So I lived with my friend Lauren, who was on the Upper West Side. And I was like, well, I need to make money. Well, she worked in development and um, public relations at the New York Philharmonic. And she's like, mm-hmm. Megan, someone just broke their leg. They need someone in development. And I was like, I have no idea about anything, but sure, I'll just go to the interview. So I interviewed and they hired me. <laughs> and so I did special events and development at the New York Philharmonic yes. um, while I was getting ready to audition for uh, Manhattan School of Music, again, was my my top choice. I, I, I went, I, let's see, I auditioned at Yale, which to me was a joke. I like went up to Yale and I was like, how pretty? And I was like, there's no one my age here. What's happening? Did not get in. Um, <laughs> um, got sick for my Juilliard audition, so I actually never could go to it. So I guess it was never meant to be. I'll never know mm. if I got into Juilliard. And uh, Manus, I got in. And then Manhattan School of Music, I got in. And that's where I wanted to go. And so then I I left my job at New York Philharmonic, which they were very supportive and happy for me. And then I went to grad school. So cool. And give me a little bit about, so, so now we're at Manhattan School of Music, um, which many of our students look at as an undergrad as well. Um, I'd just love to hear a little bit about the experience for you of what was it like? What was the, the experience of grad school like? I have mixed feelings about grad school. Well, I can tell you one thing. I'm actually very happy that I went to a liberal arts college to begin with, even though, yes, I studied abroad. Because, like, even though, yes, my life wasn't, like, Big Ten tailgating, I mean, yeah, I was in a sorority. Otherwise, I would have met no one outside of the music. Like, I think there were, like, three of us. So, like, during Rush, they'd always be like, play the piano. (laughs) But, um, you know, it had, like, somewhat of a... I can relate to people that aren't just in music, which is great. Mm -hmm. Because, actually, once you're in the real world, most of the people that you are interacting with at opening nights, fans, etc., they might like music, but they're not actually musicians, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So it is actually really important to have social skills that aren't just like that perfect fifth sounded wonderful when you covered that palette that way. You know what I mean? And so, and God bless, I love my peoples, but it's really important. And they don't teach that at conservatory. And it was really fascinating coming into a top conservatory at the grad school level, because on one hand, I felt very behind, you know, in certain areas like theory, which also, sorry, but like, do I use theory ever? No, I don't care if it's a German six chord. Sorry. <laughs> exactly. I'm seeing a visceral oh reaction. You know yes. what I mean. <laughs> I know what you mean. Oh, Megan. no. I- Megan's are going to be getting too excited about trashing theory. We're pro theory and learning on this podcast, just to be we clear. Are, we are, but I do know the struggle of music theory being in a music theory class with people who are going to be composers. Yes. So like, that's the thing. Like on one hand though, I do have to say young Megan would be very annoyed that older Megan is saying this, but like, Basic theory has helped me a lot. In the opera world, like when it comes to recitative, knowing what the choral structure is, and also in the music theater world, you know, you actually do have a deeper understanding of why a composer probably did that or why Mm -hmm. did they stray away from it. So I do have to say, yes, in that regard, very, very helpful. My advanced theory, though, like I will never write music and like I have Mm -hmm. such respect also oral skills. I was a hot mess. They'd be like, okay, now let's sight read this. And I would be like, like, so there were just certain things that I was like, I'm a mess. Um, but there were other things then because I didn't come from conservatory, I excelled at, which was 
uh-huh. like my interpersonal skills and social skills and also my um my definitely my work ethic because like Wesleyan was hard like legitimately some of those classes I took were really mm-hmm. hard so at Manhattan School of Music not to knock it but like some of the history classes I was like please this is nothing honeys like this uh-huh. is hard for you like you know so like that was fascinating um it was a whole slew of things too, though. Like going to school in New York, I, again, I, I don't know how I'm alive. I, I almost feel like I kind of wasted my first year in grad school because I was like, we're in New York and there's clubs and there's boys and there's this and there's that. And I still can sing even if I had a ton of drinks the night before. Not like that anymore, by the way. Um, so She's drinking right now in this podcast. So the first thing <laughs> I need to comment on is her morning beer, guys. So I'm just saying, don't listen to Megan when she's talking about this. If only I were that cool. It's it's totally coffee, guys. It's, totally it's coffee. Irish coffee. No, it's yeah, not. Exactly. It's Irish Paterno <laughs> coffee. We know. Again, if only I were that cool. I, I literally can't do anything when I'm in show mode, which is another another thing. But um, anyway, yeah. So my first year, I just sort of like, I, I don't know. I was very, I was good and I was a hard worker. So I, so here's another weird fact that I don't know if they tell you. Once you get into a top conservatory, that's not it for you. You have to audition into things once you get there. So it's like you have like this creme de la creme of whatever crop they have, and then you're fighting against that. Also, fun fact, I'm not an international student, so I got this like pittance of a scholarship to go, which is why, Mm. quite frankly, I would recommend that had I really understood what I would be doing now, I wouldn't have gone to grad school. I would have taken all that money, and I would have gotten a, a team of people together just for me. And that's exactly what I'm doing now. And to be really honest with you, everyone that has furthered my career, I didn't meet in school. I met mm. after school and not through school in any form or fashion, which is something to consider. So I know that, yes, I mean, going to a top conservatory, I did learn, look, I mean, you know, like history and like there are certain coaches there that are incredible that I learned so much. But in general, what I did find was it's kind of a dream crusher. Like there are only, I think, three of us in my entire class that are singing, which is a shame because they're some of the most talented people I remember ever being with. But true, it's a dream crusher. It also, in general, there's like a blinder system that happens where it's like school is the most important thing that you are doing. But not, in my opinion, my strong opinion, it's not actually. If you are in the safety net of a school, go audition in real life and you get something, leave. You can always come back. But I have news for you. Like it was 50 grand a year for me to go to to grad school, which I did three years, by the way, grad school. Mm. And um, I, I honestly, not until I started living in the real world, one, do you know you want to do it? And two, it's baptism by fire. A lot of the things and a lot of the, the way that they treat you at school, uh, it's, it's school. It's fake. It's not real. And also, like, mm. you can get away with a little bit more in school sometimes. People don't care in the real world. So it's also developing that thick skin and responsibility. So uh, in that regard, yeah, I don't know. Like I, in general, when people ask me, I think, you know, make the right decision for you. But in America, I have noticed that it really is, you almost feel forced like you need to. And in mm-hmm. Europe, it's not the same. They're like, get an apprentice apprenticeship at an opera house. Mm-hmm. That's in my opinion, that's the way to do it. That would be better for you because you are understanding what it's like to work in the real world. So in general, well, that's my two cents. <laughs> and it's really, it's it's really smart. Also, just for people who have not done the math of like how much you are paying versus what, for each class. Like one point, I remember doing that for like Carnegie Mellon of like what the 
we're paying how much for every hour of action class? Oh my God. You know, it, there are a lot of things you pay for in the American collegiate experience that are not just the training you're getting, right? You, you know, and especially a lot of our students are, you know, looking at undergrad. So it's like they're getting maybe something out of going to college that is different than just the training itself. But I think it's really smart when you, when you're going to sit there and go, I'm going to pay $150,000 for what training and, and what? Is, is there a way I can piece that together for a third of the cost? You know, totally makes sense. Exactly. And I think, you know, something that's interesting, because I do have a lot of young boys students that ask me about college, undergrad. Again, now undergrad to me is a slightly different experience. For me, actually, socially, it was a really interesting experience, Um, as well as academically, but really, like, there's such a fascinating growth spurt that happened being in college away from home. So I do actually think that part of it is is very much worth going to college. Also, getting a degree, let's just face it. I mean, truly, like, when I was in grad school, I worked a myriad of jobs that needed a certain, and I, in quotes, needed a certain kind of degree. No, they don't. I would literally yeah. interview and they would be like, well, you don't qualify at all, but you're hired. <laughs> yeah. like, so Great. I think just getting a degree is good, but you know, maybe consider looking abroad and this and that. I personally, my mom's a teacher and I personally think our education system here in America is rather broken. If I say so myself, like it shouldn't just be for the very wealthy to go to school. Um, Cause I also did not grow up in a very wealthy household. So like, mm-hmm. I think that's something too for young aspiring uh, actors, musicians, etc., is you're going to have to really want what you want if you were not born into economic privilege because it's going to be hard. It's mm. going to be hard. Uh, but I'm living proof that it's possible, though. Like, I worked my bootay off. I worked 60 hours a week going to mm. grad school. I literally would study at, like, 1 or 2 in the morning. I would be exhausted. This was also after school, too. You know, I mean, like I literally, literally had holes in my shoes. I was serving. I was a personal assistant. I mean, you Mm. get scrappy, you get resourceful, which actually Mm. is one of my greatest assets. And two, you know, you work with a lot of people um, that are also struggling. And I think there's something to be said then once you start, quote, making it, you have such an appreciation for all the sacrifice it took for you to get there. So even for all of those listening, if you don't have a lot of money or like I know your family, it is possible. It is possible. Mm-hmm. It is possible. It is possible. And like, I almost did it in spite of that. Cause I was like, I'll be damned if I can't do what <laughs> I was born to do because I was not born into a certain economic mm-hmm. bracket, but it's hard guys, but it is mm-hmm. so possible. And also I think you'll be one of the nicer people in the performing world too, because you would have worked the shit jobs where people treated you like crap and this and that. So you understand, you know what I mean? Like, that's why, like, it's it's important to treat everyone with respect. And I think you learn that a lot when you work a lot of jobs and you're trying to do, get your career off the ground. So it's possible. Anyway, that's my spiel on that. <laughs> I love it. Um, Megan, we're going to play one of our two Ooh. games that we're going to play okay. on the pod today. Okay. This is called our, our college flashback round. Oh, so okay. there's going to be 60 seconds on the clock. Okay. This is a purely numerical game. You okay. have to answer as many questions as you can in 60 seconds. If you want to be interesting, if you want, you can, can, but you don't have to, right? 60 seconds, answer as many questions as okay. you can. Um, Megan will let us know. I think the, the score to beat is what? 150? How many? Have people what? 12? No. What, what's <laughs> 12. 12, 12 is the score to beat. And I think it was our first guess got 12 so yes telly was like i'm so bad at this i can't do this and then he's had the reigning he's the reigning champion oh i'm feeling competitive all right let's see what i can do Uh, oh good that's That's, what we want that's what we're hoping artistic competitive such a talker though okay 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 we'll see what happens this is going to be about your grad school experience so specifically about manhattan school of music for you 
Okay. Are you ready? Hardest class for you? Theory. Song you liked working on the most? Um, something by WCA. I forgot the name of it. Snack that got you through college? <laughs> Banana. Uh, did you kiss anyone in your grad school? I sure did. Best excuse for skipping class? <laughs> um, a toothache. A classmate you learned the most from? Uh, I would say Margaret Newcomb. A teacher you want to give a shout out to? <gasps> oh, Ken. Um, weirdest exercise you did in school? We had to sit on our backs and do bicycle. Do, 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 do. <laughs> um, ever cheat on a test? No, never. Um, most exorbitant costume worn, most glamorous costume worn. Um, I was in Deflator Mouse, and it was poofy and big, kind of like in Phantom. Mm-hmm. Um, school alumni you wanted to model yourself after? I don't have one. Maybe Don Upshaw. Worst audition hiccup. Worst audition oh, hiccup. Oh, out of time. Oh, damn out it! Of time. And I flubbed you up a little bit there. I so I'm gonna take a little bit of the blame. If the, if she was close, we'll take it. But wait, also Megan, are we gonna give her credit for saying I don't remember the thing, and that's an answer? She like gave the title of the show, but not the like the title of the song totally fair it's like après en rêve it's in french in fairness oh if she would if she would have spoken french i would have given credit um how many did we do megan oh well we had 11 i was oh, so sad no not 11 we've had a bunch of 11s 11 is, is seems to be damn it i'm sorry i'm very sorry megan um that was really fun, though. I love that you had no model for yourself, as an, and then you changed your mind. You're like, oh, maybe this person a little bit. But you're like, I am forging my own trail. There's actually, no one. To be that... honest, it's true, actually, though. Like, I really, no one. Yeah, there really what wasn't was it? anyone. Was it Matthew McConaughey or whatever? He was like, my idol is myself in the future. I was like, okay, all right, good for you. Well, I wouldn't go I that far. <laughs> I love it. But... I love it. Um, what if we do just a little slower look back at, at, at Manhattan School of Music in terms of like, um, if you now could go back to the program and like add a class into the curriculum, you go, I wish that this had oh. been there. What would it be? Or what okay. were the seven classes? That, that whole I was going like to say, you know, I got a whole bunch. One, okay, what, it would definitely what be. What year would you add to the curriculum? Oh, exactly. Exactly. Um, definitely one would be finance. Uh, we actually are all entrepreneurs, truly. And mm. none of us are taught that actually. And it's almost kind of like, I, I at least felt like it was almost shunned to talk about money, but that is such a terrible idea in my opinion. I really think we are all business people. And so, mm-hmm. uh, and then, so all that comes with that, you know, um, taxes, our taxes are crazy for all of us that are out of school. Insane. They're insane. They're so weird. So like how to get a good accountant, how to do your taxes if you're doing them on your own, um, how to incorporate yourself. Uh, also then, yeah, we are entrepreneurs. So um, marketing. How do you market yourself? How are you not afraid to ask for things? I think that's the biggest skill I have is I ask for things boldly and unapologetically and without fear. I just ask. Mm. Um, mm. And then also... Um, Wait, this would be a class in asking? You'd want to teach a class called How to Ask? Hell yeah, why not? That's a fantastic title of a class. How to Ask. Question no, but, class. Right? Because like so many people I have noticed, including a lot of my students, are timid. Because they either uh-huh. feel like they're bothering people or, you know what, if you're, they're bothered, they won't answer you or they'll say no. Yeah. I mean, and in fact, I don't know about you both, but at least for me, I've had these really bold young kiddos who have podcasts who have uh, direct messaged me on Instagram. And honestly, every time I've said yes, every time. Heck yeah. Because like, Shoot your shot. for you, like, I mean, yeah. I'm, look, I'm no Matthew McConaughey who idolizes himself in the future, but like, damn, that's bold. And yes. It. So yeah, how to ask, um, 
how to manage, oh, like where to live in New York if you're going to live in New York. Because, you know, like I had this rule where I was like, I'm never going above 100th Street. And then you're like, uh, that's dumb. Like I, no. Uh, in social media, like, I mean, I don't know about mm-hmm. you, but it's in my contract that I do social media. So that's a new part of our business. So like how to do it? Because that really is a part of our business. So I would say all of it, branding, you know, things that you think, that you think like purists that are artists would be like, Oh, it taints it. That's the reality of the situation. Mm -hmm. And if you want, and like, so when I was in grad school, I worked actually for Renee Fleming and as her personal assistant. And I learned so much about the other Mm -hmm. side of things um, because she's a businesswoman. Actually, she's a hell of an artist, but she's a businesswoman. You know, how do you do interviews? I think also like that should be another class too. Like coaching on like how do you how, how do you interact yeah. with people like all of that you know um and weird remember, little things yeah oh sorry no i was just gonna say i remember thinking that like we spent four years in school like working on acting and then we get out and the thing that's gonna book us in, an agent is the interview and I'm like we spent you know a couple classes on that i was like this is now this is all i need that the acting doesn't matter anymore i just have to yes! talk to this person Yes, audition yeah. class. Like we had one, but it's nothing like really like be brutally honest without like killing people like dreams, but like audition classes, like just really practical mental health. I mean, mm. I would definitely have someone like, how do you deal with all these things? Even if you don't want to admit you deal with these things, like mm-hmm. there'd be, there'd be a whole on like, those are practical things that I think really actually do prepare you as much. And also I would have it part of the curriculum that you have to go to open calls, go and see what that's like, mm. go like, what is it like to actually audition? What is it like when they're eating their lunch and like, not really like, like looking mm-hmm. at you, like all of that crazy stuff. Like that's, that's, those are things I would add for sure. And then on the flip side, what's like the thing you're maybe most grateful that you did get from school. So it sounds like most of it was a waste of time and useless. And you hated it. <laughs> but is there any little kernel that you go, I did, I am really glad that I, I have this under my belt now as a professional. Yeah, you know, actually, so now on the opera side of things, I mean, I've been living in Broadway world for a while now, um, but definitely the diction classes were phenomenal. You know, how mm. to not sound like an American when you're singing French, German, English, Italian. Um, it, it, English is actually one of them because, you, you know, on my mm. third year at grad school, I actually had a, a private study. So I petitioned for it and I studied with Catherine LaBeouf, who is the best English diction teacher in the world. And mm-hmm. I would have so many classes with her every week. And I got to say that that um, private study with her really helped me in music theater as well. Like the understanding of vowels, pronunciation, mm-hmm. like little tricks of the trade. Like if you're going flat, maybe it's the tongue or this and that. Like also um, all of my coaches and all of my um, art song classes, I just, they were phenomenal. And like, you know why my favorite teachers didn't have an ego. It wasn't about them. It was about the students. And Lord knows there are a lot of people at Manhattan School of Music whose egos are, they're there for them, mm. who are not there for us. Um, we're going to take a short break. And on the back end of the break, we're going to play the second of our two games that we're going to play oh, today. So back in a flash. Okay. <clears throat> 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We we are back with Megan Pacerno. This is a game that I, I each with each artist I try to invent a different game, and this is maybe the game I'm most proud of that I've invented okay. so far. So I'm gonna, you're going to have to honor me to make it. We'll see if it goes well or not. Um, so Great. Megan, you are someone who's worked in the world of opera, the world of, in the world of musical theater. We're going to call you an expert of both of those things. Oh, good God! So okay, I'm going to have you attempt. To categorize certain things. I'm going to read you a list of things, some of which are literally musical, some of which are operas, some which are much more uh, loose. And you're going to have to get a little more figurative and metaphorical. And you're going to tell me, is it opera? Is it musical theater? Is it neither? And if it's both, you could say both, I guess, too. But is it opera, musical theater, or third category? Are you ready? (laughs) Barack Obama. Oh, in between. Because he's, he's a chameleon. He can do anything. Uh, okay, great. Okay. The French language. Opera. Opera. Although, yes. I don't know. Like, actually in between. Because, like, it can get a little, like... like <laughs> okay, great. Oh, my. The last five years. Music theater. Sure. The last 18 months. Fuck, that's an opera. Oh, that's an opera. <laughs> it's oh, an opera, tragic. man. Tragic. The Book of Mormon. That was my first Broadway show I saw. That and the producers. Definitely musical. Oh, God, I musical. love that show. Okay, we're with it. Marriage of Figaro. Opera. Marry Me a Little. Music theater. Merrily We Roll Along. Okay, it is a musical, but I dare say a little bit of both. The Concept of Marriage. Jesus, I would say opera. Jesus would say that as well. Michael Scott from The Office. <laughs> uh, opera. Opera. Okay, great. Come on. Anyone that knows a tenor knows. Senioritis. A senioritis would be a combo. A combo. Okay. Spelling bees. Fuck. Opera. <laughs> I'm so... It seems like everything you hate is opera. You're like, <laughs> ah, damn, damn it, opera. Ah, no, I hate anything it, it's opera. that's okay. like dramatic is opera. Uh, okay. Uh, Candide. Both. Both. I agree. Candid photos. Music theater. Ah, I agree. Very snapshot. Okay. <laughs> um, the country of Canada. Music theater, sweet Canada. Okay, this is a good and bad game for you. Um, Madam Butterfly. Definitely opera. The Butterfly Effect. Ooh, also opera. Also opera. Love that movie. Aida. Definitely opera, not the music theater show. Wow, she's voting hard for Aida. Okay, great. Definitely. Dick Cheney. No, he's not worthy of either. He gets nothing. He's a blank. <laughs> you fill the scantron in blank. I love it. Okay. Ted Lasso. Mm. Oh, I love this show. Uh, music theater. Music theater. So this is the things you love or musical theater. We're learning this. We just did a Rorschach test on you and we're learning no, that's your, not your heart. True. No, that's what we're discovering. Um, crumpets. <laughs> Opera. 
Opera, sure. Well, I guess it has to be. La Traviata. Opera. AOL Instant Messenger. Oh, Gen Zers <laughs> just won't know. Opera. Dramatic. Dramatic. I that couldn't agree more. That that, that's the one I had a strong opinion about. Yeah, yeah. you need it. Gift wins in the ba 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 or they can respond. The timing of the response. Yeah. What color was your background? Big deal. Oh, what was your little um what's it called? Your synopsis? Like what was the thing that you put in there of like I tried to be so Your away message? Yeah, your away message. Oh, Thank away you, message. Megan. That's right. Wait, yes. I had to tell Charlie what the away message was. I barely even had him. Um, that's in Embarrassing. Yes. Um, okay. Hamilton. Okay. I know it's a musical, but I actually do think it's rather operatic. In, in uh, I agree. Simone Biles. Oh, operatic. Operatic. The Magic Flute. Operatic. The Magic School Bus. <gasps> oh my God. Operatic. I always love the one where they're like in the body. Miss Frizzle. Yes. Magic Carpets. Operatic. Magic Johnson. Uh, operatic. <laughs> Whatever that voice it has to be. Carmen. Operatic. Carmen Sandiego. <gasps> Music theater. Mm, why not? Audrey McDonald. Both. Both. We got one of our few both is interesting. The Phantom of the Opera. Both. Phantom is like if rock and operetta and music theater had a baby. If rock and operetta, so it's a rock operetta. Rock operetta. And music theater. Oh, well then, okay, so it's a, that's its like middle name. <laughs> oh, no. exactly. um, Megan, you have won the game. Fantastic Oh, thank work. you. <laughs> so let's just talk a little bit. I'd love to get into... Um, just a little bit professionally, because you did make that switch from opera to music theater. So like, just first tell me a little bit about like what that was like. And I don't mean to say switch, meaning that you'll never sing opera again. I'm sure you will. But, but having now transitioned and really um, doing uh, um, professional musical theater, what was surprising? What was different? What it, how are MTs different than opera people? I'd love to hear just a little bit about like what that was like in terms of what you discovered. Oh, sure. Um... I have to say, I love the music theater world. And I think a big part of why I love it is the can-do attitude. And it's not to say that people don't have that in the opera world, in my experience, but just not as much. Like, I feel my my experience has been that my colleagues that I watch, um, literally, people will be like, go stand on your head and do this. And they'll be like, I'll give it a try. It's always like, I'm going to try that. And I have found in the opera world that people are a little bit more traditional and reticent about being like no I can't do that actually you can you just have been either taught you can't or um you don't think you can but at, what I love about the music theater world is people just dive in at least my experience from what I've mm-hmm. seen and I really really love that um and uh they just go for it I also like the rehearsal process better in a music theater show than opera um it's much more organic in my opinion and like in opera, you've been studying the role forever and you better be fully memorized when you get to that door. Now, yes, you mm. better really know the music for music theater. But I remember I was appalled the first rehearsal of Candide. You've got like Chip Zion, Greg Edelman, Linda Lavin, and they're like, what's that note? Brooks was like, what's this? And I was like, oh, how do they not know the music? But what was cool about that mm-hmm. is like everybody's learning and like making mistakes or getting the right things together. And then it really, it creates this atmosphere of we're all growing together as opposed to like, well, I know this note and it's perfect the way it is. And um, there's something more malleable about it that I love. Uh, so I really love mm. that. Um, singing with a mic, I had a complete misconception. I Opera snob moment was like, <laughs> singing with a mic. Well, I got some news for y'all. Like when you start singing six plus shows a week, Mike or no Mike, I'm singing full out. Like they just turn you down or up depending on what's going on. You can't under sing. Yes, you can sometimes use the mic to your advantage, but like 
good luck because like in opera a lot of times you'll get like 48 hours off in between yes you have no mic but Mm -hmm. uh it's it's hard whatever i mean like definitely i would say like music theater is more of like a marathon um just that pure stamina i think that's another thing that is just i have such deep respect and now that i've gone through (laughs) it is just how you keep going right um Mm -hmm. you know in an opera season usually you'll do like x number of shows within a month and then come back you might do like three to five but you know here we are like show number 500 how do you keep it fresh how do you keep it going like during an injury how do you like it's just like Mm -hmm. brutal you know and but there's something amazing about that too and like coming together um I really, I think this is why, like, it's fascinating, my view of opera and music theater. Um, music theater, I absolutely love the fact uh, of how, like, in the moment everything is and how present, no matter how melodramatic it is, like Phantom, you know, there's always the genuine seed of truth that's happening. The storytelling is so important. And yes, in opera, it is, but the voice is number one, which, now, on the other hand of that, I mean, my goodness, uh, like you said, La Traviata or Lucia, my god the the what the human voice can do is incredible mm. and i also think that music theater like at least for me it doesn't use what i can do vocally but opera sometimes doesn't use what i can do so in so many other places that make things mm-hmm. what we do what i think is so important as an artist whether you're opera on tv on stage is that communication and being a vessel for humanity basically like you embody everything that it means to be human and What's really cool in music theater is I feel like that's very encouraged. And also um, with the mic, you can do things with your voice. Yes, I'm singing full out, but I can color things because I don't have to worry about carrying to 5,000 seats back there. So that's kind of cool. I feel like it makes it more true and there's more colors to paint with. Um, Trying to think what else. Uh, Oh, yeah. Rehearsal schedule is madness in the the music theater world. I remember the first time Candide was run as a Broadway show, even though it was at New York city opera. And I remember my agents were like, this can't be right. Like we had like a, like an orchestra rehearsal and then like an invited dress and opening night. Blah, 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 and it was right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, um, I, and I love, you know what I love? I love music theater fans a lot and also critics. Uh, I think they're a little bit more forgiving and like, they like they they'll in my experience, we'll see more of like, the whole picture like okay so maybe you blew that one note but it actually doesn't Mm. matter because as a whole it was incredible as opposed to i have found again in general you know classical critics will tend to they'll still think that but they'll be like well the vibrato of that one note was not great Mm. and you're like oh to me that's missing the point actually like as a whole what that person did was incredible like so i think that's the and I also love that, again, this is just my experience, because I know everyone's is different. Um, the vibe I get, it, it's a little more quirky in the music theater world. And like, look, I can have a dress up moment. I love a gown moment. I love that. But like, I do feel sometimes it's a little stuffy. And especially in America, what I find really sad is opera is this kind of unaccessible art form that's geared only towards the wealthy or the old, uh-huh. which is so not true. And Europe, it's different. That's why I like opera in Europe, because it's just part of society, like music theater uh-huh. is here. So I wish we kind of embodied that, not kind of, I wish we embodied that more here. Um, and that's actually what's cool about Phantom is Phantom might be a little peak abu way into being like, mm-hmm. hey, I wonder what an opera is, because like I don't think it's an opera, but there is some classical-esque singing in it 
that might interest someone in going to see an opera, a full opera then. So um, that's what's cool about Phantom, you know? Same with Candide. Uh-huh. So I love it. And I also have to say, I'm not surprised that you found yourself into a more quirky medium. I'm going to say our experience <laughs> today is that you are not necessarily the stuffed shirt of an operatic person. I think no. this is a... a we got to see a lot of that beautiful vessel of, of uh, humanity. Um, I'd love just to talk a little bit about that International Music Academy. Um, so you founded yes. this. Um, tell me a little bit behind that and, and what you're doing there, over there. Oh, my gosh. So, so crazy. You know, the pandemic has been pretty terrible and challenging for all of us in many different ways. What there are you have, about? I know. I know. What are you talking about? I had a great time. I flourished. No. Um, but one of the things that I found really interesting uh, looking back, is there are some silver linings and part of it was how creative especially all of us in the art world got because mm. let's just call a spade a spade and we were abandoned our job was made illegal <laughs> um and art the very thing that i personally think everyone needed and needs to get through this was just taken away in, in mm. most forms and so i you know we didn't really find help with the government etc but we found it with each other and I thought that was amazing. Artists are incredible. We're such survivalists. And for those of us that had the mental wherewithal to be able to do that, because honestly, valid if some did not, because a lot didn't. And uh, valid, you know, hard times. Uh, but uh, <laughs> once they announced for like the 30th time that Broadway was going to be postponed, but this time for another year, I was like, I was like, okay, I, you know... <laughs> I got to figure something out here. Like, so amongst other things that we've been doing, um, my really good friend, Dan Michike, who's the uh, music director and conductor of uh, Wicked on Broadway. And my other friend, Abdiel Vasquez, uh, he's a Steinway artist, incredible conductor and pianist, Grammy nominated, like just insane. Uh, Randomly, we kind of got together and we were like, we should do something. And at first actually it was, well, can we find a way to do concerts in any uh, countries that would have us impossible, actually, as we all know, like every Americans were like, boo, you're bad, which we are. So, you know, we couldn't go anywhere. So then, cause Abdil has a, he has a um, orchestra down in Mexico. And then we were like, he was like, well, what about like some kind of teaching? And I was like, you know, with all this technology, what if we developed an international music theater school? And so we just started it. Uh, what was it? We started it back in 2020. We had our first session in 2021 in Mexico. Mm. And it was a massive success because indeed, all of a sudden, this accessibility to people that no people around the world would never have, they had accessibility to. So you have coaches, we had mock auditions. I mean, Stephen Schwartz, like, you know, like talked about composing. I mean, and it was incredible. There's always a plethora amount of incredible faculty members. And we were very careful. And we are very careful because each session, we don't always use the same teachers, but something in common is we always look for people who are very knowledgeable, but very warm hearted because we want to make sure that the students have an atmosphere where they can take risks. They can fall on their face and like make fools of themselves in front of, you know, perhaps their, their idols. Um, and so that's, we're very particular about who we pick, uh, you know, cause there are not some, there are some non-friendly people. <laughs> in our business that's the truth but so yeah it's amazing so lots of things to come with that yeah i love it um i'd love to wrap with just the uh, my last question of just um any advice to a young artist and maybe i'd say it's especially if we could tailor that advice to like 
maybe young artist who's interested in both opera and musical theater. It's not totally sure where, which, how should I study? What direction should I go? Um, is there anything you kind of want to say to a 17 year old out there who's thinking about either or both? Yeah. So a few things. One, I can tell you that uh, I was very lucky once I, once that switch in my career happened, that kind of that whirlwind without my classical training, I never would have been able to go from job to job to job to job. I just would not have been able to survive that, like go through like monkey flu and food poisoning all around the world and this and that, like how like to understand. Oh yeah. So sorry. Um, Listen, you, you haven't lived until you've worn an adult, doll, adult diaper on stage singing Christine. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that really deserves a drink. Um, so pry it out the window. Um, Megan is doing shots now. I don't know if you can tell Megan is <laughs> just knocking back tequila shots. So it's interesting. Um, no, but truly like having that kind of understanding of my instrument, I never would have had, I think, without my classical training. But then also making sure that, you know, you have the right people then in the Broadway world to take care of you. My teacher, Matt, is incredible. Anyway, so that's one thing is I actually find my classical training extremely important as a as like a foundation. Um, in general, have an open mind. If you would have told me four years ago I would be in point shoes on a Broadway stage, I probably would have been like, <laughs> but you never know. And like, Even if you don't feel like you're ready, first of all, I never feel like I'm ready. Just dive in. You'll be surprised. You will swim. It may not be pretty and elegant at first, but you will swim and you'll grow. And I, I, a couple more seeds of wisdom. I used to have a teacher that told me never be comfortable because when you're comfortable, you don't grow. So I could tell you that I'm uncomfortable a lot of times, but truly when I look back at these last five years, music theater, um, I. I have grown so much as a performer, exponentially so, because I have just dived in and have fallen on my face, have had no idea what I'm doing, but I've kept trying. And like, it's incredible, that kind of growth. And then lastly, um, one, have the fire. Whatever makes you passionate, go for it unapologetically. And speaking of unapologetically, there is literally only one of you in this entire world or if you believe in past lives, this lifetime. So be unapologetically yourself. There, That's your superpower is you. And the right person, I mean, for me, it was Hal Prince that was like this quirky, crazy thing. I need her. Like if I would have acted like everyone else that was in the auditions mm-hmm. in front of me, I never would have gotten cast. And by the way, I was not the type they were looking for. I didn't look like anyone. I didn't sound like anyone. I was my own weird little thing. And that's mm-hmm. exactly why I got the role. Um, so be yourself and believe in yourself. You are the captain of your ship and no one else is going to drive it as hard or believe in you. And even, even if there is days that you don't believe in yourself, that's okay. That's okay. It happens. But then you get up and you keep going and you you try and try again. And with that, you, you will succeed. Don't give up, but you will succeed at some point. It may not be in the timeline you think, but it will, it will happen like without a doubt. So that's my... Advice. That's so beautifully said. Um, <laughs> we can check you out in Phantom, which is returning when? Oh, October 22nd. Cross your fingers. October 22nd. Same day as JLP. How about great? Oh. Um, and where can we people check you out if they want to listen to you on the Instagrams or the Facebooks? Or the, are you on any socials that you um, should be hitting you with? I think Instagram, Facebook, I don't really. And TikTok, I'm scared. So um, um, You and me both. Yeah, God. Um, but yeah, Instagram, it's just my name at Megan Paterno. Find me there. Put an H in there if you want to somewhere. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. That's very important. Very important. important. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. We so appreciate the time, Megan. Yes. Thank you guys so much. It was great to talk to you both. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Megan Picerno. Uh, I thought she was so quirky and fun. And Megan Cordier and I just could not stop talking to her. Um, We literally held her late for her next appointment um, just because we had so much fun chit-chatting with her. Um, I just want to do a little bit of a deeper dive on this idea of cost, um, since Megan brought it up really vulnerably for her in feeling like the costs of grad school specifically were not worth it for her. Um, So we talk about that a bit in that reference to grad school, but when we talk about college, uh, which I know a lot of you are looking at that idea of what college you might pay for, I do think it's worth taking a a deep look at what you're paying for when you see those huge tuition fees. I think the idea of college in general and kind of conservatory style training are not necessarily natural allies. You could often reconstruct the elements of a conservatory style training for much less money if you just added up dance, voice, acting, etc., which is what Megan was talking about a bit. But a lot of what you're paying for is the college experience and also things like room and board and meal plans and all that. But I think it's worth considering what is the value of that degree to you and that experience of growth from 18 to 22 which can be a lot about those ineffable experiences more than just about the specific technique training that you can get, right? In college, people make forever friends. They meet their partners and in college can open up doors that you didn't even necessarily knew existed. So I will just say in general, Megan Cordier and I on this podcast, we are very pro going to college. Um, That's not to say that you can't actually create yourself a path where you go right to Broadway or Hollywood, or maybe you start college a little earlier, that totally can happen. Um, but I would say for a number of people I know who chose that route, uh, choosing not to go to college, they regret it, right? There can be this hole of experience that everyone else in their lives seemed to have that they didn't get to have. I mean, you could be just the right person to deal with that difference. You know, maybe that's kind of the unique path you want to, to forge. But most people are very glad to have gone to school, even if they don't end up in the field that they study. Um, but I do think it's worth noting um, on Megat's point about costs, that student loans are a very real and scary thing um, without getting into the possibility of student loan cancellation or whatever. That's a whole different podcast we could talk about. Um, Most people who go into this field are not going to be immediately rich. Even very successful people who have sustained Broadway careers, um, we heard about it from Telly and now Megan, are continuing to pay off a lot of money. Telly, I think he said he just paid off his loan. It was like 20 years after college and he just finally finished paying off his loan. So as you're constructing those lists, especially for our 17, 18 year olds, and maybe our 22, 25 year olds who are thinking about grad school, and maybe even more so at the end of the process, as you're negotiating for money and making those final decisions, I do just want to say, I think it's a really important thing to consider. Um, You might feel a lot of pressure to go to that school that you got into with the biggest name necessarily, but if that's not the right choice for your family, I am a huge believer that talent will out. There are so many great training programs. And if your scrappy path starts with an affordable school, as opposed to that slightly bigger name, you can still carve out a really exciting career for yourself. Um, uh, You know, we certainly could talk specifically if you're someone who works with MTCA about what those options are and when this name versus this name, this name might actually be worth these, you know, different dollar figures. But I think sometimes people get so in their head about some of that minutia. And if there's a huge financial difference between two schools, it doesn't necessarily mean that the slight imagined reputational difference is going to be um, so impactful to their careers. Um, I know that's sometimes harder for students to hear, maybe a little easier for parents to hear, um, but I'm certainly a big believer in that. 
Well, if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please hit that follow button. On Apple, we've noticed it's a plus button now. So if you're in your app, you can just hit a plus button. That's how you follow it. They keep changing these things. Um, we would also appreciate if you rate and review us wherever you found us. We love a five stars if you think Phantom is a musical and an ironic five stars if you think it's an opera. And maybe like leave a comment if you think it's both. Uh, you can also reach out to us with questions for the pod at mailbag at mappingthecollegeedition.com. If you're interested in working with MTCA for help with your individual prep for your college audition journey, please check us out at mtcollegeauditions.com. To my young artists out there mapping their journeys, if you think you've lived, you haven't yet until you've played Christine in an adult diaper. We'll see you next week. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.